TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The Butler did it, and as the Wolves enter their 30th year of playing basketball, it's yet another depressing chapter in their lengthy story. Hopefully, maybe one day it'll have a happy ending, or at least some chapter will have a happy ending. As always, I'm very grateful that you chose to listen to this podcast when there are so many options out there. We'll mostly be Wolves-centric, and specifically the Jimmy Butler saga. We will have Bobby Marks from ESPN on. He spent many, many years in the New Jersey Nets front office. We'll have David Thorpe, former ESPN NBA analyst, skills trainer, has worked closely over the years with Kevin Martin, Corey Brewer, Joe Kim Noah, and a number of other players. He's a great public speaker as well, so we'll have him on. Plus, I'll catch up with Trey Jones. Now, Trey isn't related to the Wolves outside of his older brother, Tyus, being on the Wolves, but I caught up with Trey when he was home last weekend. He escaped then Hurricane Florence, which eventually turned into Tropical Storm Florence, nonetheless, North Carolina suffered all sorts of damage, many lives lost. So it was a tragedy what took place in North Carolina and South Carolina with Florence. So Trey being at Duke, a freshman at Duke in Durham, North Carolina, they're far enough inland. But at one point there was a thought that Durham would get just pounded with rain, bad winds, all that. So Mike Krzyzewski, the Duke coach, gave the basketball players the option to head home. So Trey hopped on a plane and he came home for a few days. He's back now on campus with classes resuming. But when he was home, I caught up with Trey. So I will play back that conversation. So Bobby Marks, David Thorpe, Trey Jones. I have some Wolves notes as well. Plus, Skull Marketing helps bring you the Scoop Podcast this episode 174. So I certainly will pass along a few Vikings notes. But there's some other things I have written down that I think I'll save for next week. I was catching up with John Randall via text. We'll have John on. I was going to maybe have John on this episode. But there's no reason for this episode to go 65, 75 minutes. So I think I'll have John on early next week to review Denny Green going into the the Vikings Ring of Honor this weekend. So when I do John Randall next week and I have a couple other ideas, I'll pass along some of the hockey notes I have, some of the local basketball notes. All right, let's start, though, with some notes that I have on the Jimmy Butler situation before we segue into Bobby Marks. Again, thank you to Skull Marketing and to my bookie, mybookie.com. They keep the podcast going. I'll tell you a little bit more detail about both sponsors as the podcast moves on. Tip of the hat to ESPN for reporting that Jimmy gave the Wolves three preferred destinations, the Clippers, the Knicks, and the Nets. Here's where I can piggyback on that. I'm told actually Jimmy is open-minded to signing long-term with more than those three teams. Those were the three teams given to the Wolves, but he has an open mind whether it's you name the franchise. I mean, there's a number of teams. I mean, heck, his buddy Kyrie Irving is in Boston. If Danny Ainge got involved... I think Jimmy can see himself signing long-term with the Celtics. I mean, Jimmy isn't beating around the bush when he says he wants to win. So I'm just saying he is open-minded. Now, yes, he says he wants to win. So the obvious comeback is Clippers, Knicks, Nets. He sees those opportunities, especially the Clippers, being able to create as much cap space as possible. So in Jimmy's mind, whether it's Kyrie, I mean, the free agent class next summer is off the charts. In Jimmy's mind, he can recruit guys 
to join him. So, yeah, maybe some hiccups that first year, but then his bird rights go with him to whatever team he gets traded to so he can sign a monster deal. Then he can recruit guys to come play with him next summer. So that is the rationale, whether you agree with it or not. That is the rationale from the Jimmy Butler side that if he ends up with the Knicks, Nets, or Clippers, and certainly the Clippers. I mean, that's his preferred destination. Certainly the Clippers have a ton of interest in acquiring Jimmy Butler, Doc Rivers, Lawrence Frank, Steve Ballmer. You know, with LeBron now with the Lakers, the Clippers are looking to make a splash. They want to stay as relevant as possible. I promise you the Clippers will make every effort imaginable to acquire Jimmy Butler. doesn't mean the Wolves will trade Jimmy to the Clippers. They'll trade him to the Clippers if the Clippers present the best offer. And right now there is no steam on the trade front. As of Thursday, the indication remains that Tom Thibodeau isn't itching to move Jimmy, that he wants to play this thing out a little bit. But I will say, I think that is a fluid situation. I do think eventually Jimmy Butler does get moved. Maybe it's a few weeks from now, a few months from now, or maybe it's in the coming days. But I do think he eventually goes. If the Wolves are not going to play this thing all the way out, then lose him for nothing next summer. And while right now Tibbs is reluctant to make the move on Jimmy, ownership understands that Jimmy doesn't want to be here. Ownership is heavily involved. Glenn Taylor right now in New York City for owners meetings. I can promise you that Jimmy is coming up among owners, owners of Teams that have an interest in Jimmy, so make no mistake. The owner of the Wolves, Glenn Taylor, whatever you think of him, Glenn Taylor is heavily involved. This isn't a situation where Glenn says, hey, Tibbs, you figure it out. Glenn has his fingerprints all over this situation. On the report that Jimmy is asking out in large part because of his contract, I don't know if large is the right way to put it. But there is a tentacle to this that does involve his contract. Now, the Wolves offered him four years, $110 million back in July. That was the most they could offer at that time based on the collective bargaining agreement. Remember, Glenn Taylor was on this podcast. He broke the news that Jimmy and his agent, Bernie Lee, had turned down the offer, that the Wolves had extended the offer the first second they could. But Jimmy and Bernie declined the offer. Here is where that side is a bit delusional or way delusional, however you want to term it, is they wanted the Wolves to get so far below the cap that the four-year extension that they could offer would be for more than $110 million, would be for another $20 million or so, $130 million. So the Wolves would have to get way under the cap, moving Gorgie Jang, Moving Andrew Wiggins, moving Jeff Teague, it just wasn't realistic. The Wolves tried to move Gorgie Jang. They would have had to attach multiple first-round picks to move Gorgie. That just isn't logical. So, yes, there is a tentacle to Jimmy wanting more money, upset that the Wolves couldn't offer him more money. But if Jimmy was happy here, if they were holding hands, singing Kumbaya, there's no way that Jimmy would cite that. Now, it's an easy out, right? Hey, the Wolves didn't do enough to get under the cap. I was hoping for more money. Hey, I had to go. Make no mistake. They are not holding hands singing Kumbaya. Jimmy doesn't get along with Carl Anthony Towns. He doesn't mesh with Andrew Wiggins. He had all year to figure out if he could coexist with those guys long term, if he could relate to those guys. It just didn't happen. So Jimmy wants out because Jimmy wants to be somewhere else and he wants his bird rights to go with him. So he wants to get paid and was hoping that the Wolves could extend a bigger offer. But even if the Wolves had extended a four-year, $130 million offer, are we really stupid enough to think 
that Jimmy was going to sign that, I'm sorry. I don't care what the Jimmy Camp says publicly. There is no belief internally at Mayo Clinic Square that Jimmy was signing for four years, $130 million, when he was still trying to figure out if he fits here long-term. I get it. That is enormous money. Jimmy Butler has already made life-changing money. But when you think about playing into your ages 32, 33, 34 years, and Jimmy's wear and tear, it's a credit to Jimmy for how hard he plays, but he's been, heck, he's been hurt, right? He has suffered numerous injuries. He has missed a handful of games going back a few years. So Jimmy, I could see it, you know, Boogie Cousins, Isaiah Thomas, they're examples of guys who thought they were going to get paid and didn't. So, yeah, you could make a case, okay, Jimmy was going to sign for 4130, but I'm just telling you internally at Mayo Clinic Square there was no sense that Jimmy was signing any sort of extension this summer, that that's an easy cop-out, that really the big reason why he wants out is he just doesn't see a long-term future here, doesn't see winning here, and doesn't see how he can coexist with the young guys. Another popular talking point this week, and heck, I'm guilty when I appeared on 1500 ESPN Afternoon Drive with Judd Zolgad and Manny Hill on Wednesday afternoon, is the idea that Jimmy or Jimmy's agent went to the Wolves soon after the playoff loss to Houston and said, hey, listen, it's me or Cat. Choose one or the other, but you need to trade one this summer. That that I can't, this being the Jimmy camp, I can't coexist with Carl Anthony Town. So you make the move. You can trade Carl or you can trade me. So then with the meeting on Tuesday in Los Angeles, it was one of those situations where, okay, Jimmy gave the Wolves multiple months to make a move. Now, Glenn Taylor was never approving a Carl Anthony Towns trade. The Wolves never seriously entertained Carl Anthony Towns trade ideas over the summer. So that was never in the realm of possibilities. But the Wolves also, in their realm of possibilities, weren't dealing Jimmy Butler either. But the idea is, okay, Jimmy went to them soon after the season. Then after multiple months, now it was Tuesday in Los Angeles. Training camp begins next week, media day Monday. First practice Tuesday, Jimmy went to them and said, okay, I gave you multiple months. I told you what to do. You didn't do it. So yes, now I am demanding a trade or requesting, however you want to term it, but I want out. So that is an interesting theory. I ran it by somebody that's right on the outside of being directly involved, somebody that absolutely has information, and this individual shot down that theory, that this individual has enough working knowledge, and he shot down that idea that Jimmy first made any sort of hint at, hey, I want out, I need a trade on Tuesday, that nothing was hinted before that Tuesday meeting in LA. By the way, Tom Thibodeau on Tuesday morning spoke at Dunkers in downtown Minneapolis. So he hopped on an airplane soon thereafter. I'm told by a few people at Dunkers now, the rule at Dunkers is what's said in this room stays in this room. But people like to talk. I was told that Tibbs was cordial. He answered questions professionally. He smiled. He seemed to be in a good mood. Now, he is very good at saying a lot without really saying anything, giving you anything, even. In that setting, when it's presumed that what is said in this room stays in that room, I mean, Tom is always going to have that guard up in a public forum. So while answering questions cordially, it's not like he created any headlines 
at that breakfast meeting. But the way he was acting, I don't think, just based on his body language from a few people there, you know, him smiling, him being in a good mood, unless he was putting on a show, I think when he hopped on that airplane a couple hours later, headed to L.A., then sat down with Jimmy later on on Tuesday and found out that Jimmy wanted out, I think it came as a surprise. I don't think that Tibbs... And Scott Layden thought it would get to that point this soon. That maybe later, maybe if they got off to a bad start, maybe December, January, approaching the trade deadline. Sure. I mean, how could you dismiss that, right? I mean, Jimmy has the chance to be an unrestricted free agent next July. But I think it came as a surprise based on what I've been told. And I don't know if we'll ever get Tibbs and Layden to cut open a vein on this front. But I do think that Jimmy's trade request came as a bit of a surprise. Maybe hey, they thought if we're being summoned to Los Angeles, hey, there's always that possibility that Jimmy is going to say, hey, I want out. But I still think it came at least, here's the way I would put it, at least as somewhat of a surprise. All right, let's continue the Jimmy Butler talk. Bobby Marks works for ESPN. He's the former assistant general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, worked in the Nets organization For about 20 years, going back to the mid-1990s, he is so good, whether it's on ESPN.com, ESPN Radio, ESPN Television. He has unbelievable knowledge of the collective bargaining agreement, plus he just understands the game so incredibly well. So we are grateful that he has a few minutes for us. Let's catch up with Bobby Marks. Bobby, it's always good to catch up. All right, when you heard the news on Tuesday, certainly a number of your colleagues were were advancing the story, the Jimmy Butler asking out of Minnesota story. What was what was your reaction when you first heard the news? Uh, the timing of it. Um, that's kind of what's caught me off guard a little bit here is, is that we are, you know, now we're a couple days before camp starts. Um, if Jimmy really wanted out of, out of Minnesota, why wasn't, um, you know, why wasn't this done in early July? Could have given the Timberwolves a, you know, a bigger, you know, window to try to get a deal done. Now you're kind of pressed up to, you know, you're pressed up against camp. Um, you know, players have been signed this summer. Uh, players are not, um, you know, to be tra- players can't be traded because of restrictions. Cap space is all tied up. So I think for me is is that really not that he wants out, but basically where the timing of um, the timing of uh, of this this uh, this demand here. You ever experience anything like this in all your years in the Nets front office? No, you know we were on the other end. You know with Carmelo. Um, which was somewhat similar in 2010, and, and that happened right before training camp. Also, with uh, you know when he was in Denver, and we were mm-hmm. one of the teams that were interested in uh, acquiring him, and that dragged on, as you know, for probably about five months, and he wound up you know going into going to the Knicks. And I think if you're if you're the Minnesota front office, if the if the end game is to eventually move Jimmy Butler, I don't know what the end game is right now. Um, you've got to create a you know, uh, somewhat of a bidding war between some of these teams here to try to get the best available uh, package in return because it's hard on a player on an expiring contract who kind of only has his eyes on two or two or three teams as far as what you'll be able to get in return. But the, the downside is, is that those three teams, Brooklyn, New York, and the Clippers, you know, they could all sign Jimmy outright um, next summer as, as a free agent here. So, yeah, I think the closest for me, just from a timing standpoint, was that Car- Carmelo – uh, Anthony situation back in uh, back in 2010 with the Nuggets. Piggybacking on the timing issue, I mean, you're right. I mean, I'm wondering, A, was there a better way for his agent Bernie Lee to handle this situation? Then, 
if you're Jimmy, I mean, there's no way you can show up on Monday, right? At media day, Tuesday's the first practice. I mean, how how awkward would that be? But there's still a sense as we as we talk here on Friday morning that Tom Thibodeau has has no real intention anytime soon to move Jimmy. Now, Bobby, I think eventually you have to move him. I think ownership will get involved. They have to make a Jimmy move eventually, but it's not like they need to move Jimmy in the next 48 hours. So how awkward could next week be? Oh, it's really awkward. And now you've got, you know, the Andrew Wiggins, Steven Jackson back and forth. You know, we take that into play a little bit too. Uh, You know, I think I saw Jimmy did react to it a little bit uh, from one of his workout videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you are right. You know, here's the dilemma when you have a you, know, you have a head coach who's in charge of basketball operations um, and oversees everything. It's a lot different in the off season than in season. Now, Coach Thibodeau's focus is on practice on Tuesday, getting ready for preseason and getting ready for the uh, regular season for a team that, you know, you know, could win 50 games this year and could be a three or fourth uh, seed if things lined up. His, not, his focus is not next summer or the future of, of Jimmy Butler, but eventually that's going to have to come into play. And, you know, just canvassing the league the last two days here, the, the sentiment, and I know people have written about it, is that, you know, Tibbs is you know, very headstrong about not doing anything right now with, with Jimmy Butler and trying to hold on to him to as long as he can. And I think you're right. You mentioned it before. Ownership eventually is going to have to step in here because there's going to get a point of no return. Um, the longer they hold on to him, the, the probably the, his trade value decreases by the um, by, by the day here. Um, but will he show up on Monday for media day? I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I you know I started looking at what the fines would be. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Are, you know the Le'Veon Bell situation not as uh, not as expensive. I think it's a twenty thousand dollar fine for not showing up on Monday, and then you know there's a you know a, a small fine per day for missed practices. A lot different than missing like, missing a game here, but. Yeah, you will get to a situation when um, you know he probably will eventually be moved, but I don't think you can go into Monday or going into this weekend and, and putting the mandate out there that to stay home until something is resolved because this thing could certainly drag on a little bit longer and your leverage will certainly decrease here. I mean, is there a belief that that Tibbs eventually, you know, maybe it's ownership just pushing pushing him in the direction of moving Jimmy, but that even as we talk here and the Wolves have no intention of moving Jimmy, that you absolutely have to move him before the February trade deadline? Oh, I think you have to because, yeah, you know, I, I don't remember a situation where a player has been pretty adamant that, um, you know, he, he's not going to be returned or he wants to move elsewhere. That player is not moved before the deadline, and then you wind up losing him for nothing. I mean, that is – uh, you know, that is the, the cardinal sin as far as how you deal with, uh, you know, from a trade standpoint. And I think, you know, and I, and I talked about it, the, the mindset is that, you know, what you gave up to acquire Jimmy Butler. And, I, and hey, I like the trade when you did it because I thought that Butler was going to be part of the future based on, uh, you know, his relations with Tibbs and, and this young core and where the team had been the last 13 to 14 years had, had not been a playoff team. And you get a player like that. Who still had two years left on his contract? You have you can sell him on those two years in Minnesota, and and I thought things would work out for um, for the future. So I liked the trade initially, um, but now it's about you know about maintenance. It was about maintenance of the trade, and how do you kind of keep Butler in fold? And and it looks like we're kind of going in a different direction. On the financial elements involved, where the Wolves offered him four years, one ten in July, and they could offer him five one ninety next summer. 
could the Wolves have offered more than the 110? Maybe not realistically, but if, if they had somehow moved Gorgie Jang, Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, if they had created all sorts of cap space, again, not really realistic, but you know, let's go with the hypothetical, Bobby, that they could have created more cap space. Could they have actually offered more than 110 million? Because that's one tentacle coming out of all this this week that that Jimmy was upset that the Wolves couldn't offer him more than the 110 in July. Yeah, and I think that's where the agent comes into play. And I think you have to be upfront with your client. You know, as you mentioned, Butler was uh, is extension eligible. He can get you know four years, 100 plus there. Um, on top of the, his current salary this year, he's also he was eligible to have his contract renegotiated. So basically, whatever cap space teams have, or in the case of Minnesota, they didn't have cap space. You can you can bump that his number up to the um, to the max, um, and then kind of extend out from there. And yeah, you you could have done that, but. I mean, you look at their finances, it would have been extremely hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you basically would have had to gut your roster, Teague, Gibson, maybe Jang, um, you know, the Wiggins. Maybe you don't sign Andrew Wiggins to an extension last year if that was your if your mindset. Um, you know, you could have, you know, looking back, maybe you held off and maybe Wiggins' number comes in a little bit lower. Or you, maybe he's moved during the season. Um, so, yeah, you, you could have, but I, I think you've got to, you know, if you're his agent, You've got to lay out all your options for him, and if it's not during the season, you know, going into the off season, saying this is what Minnesota can offer you, four years, hundred plus. It is highly unlikely that they can renegotiate, so your best situation is going to wait until the summer of um, it's the summer of 2019 to get a new deal. On five one ninety, do his bird rights transfer if he gets traded in February? Let's say he gets traded on February first. Is that yeah, team acquiring him? They would have his bird rights, so they could pay him five one ninety next summer. That's correct. That's the value of bird rights. So that's why, if you are a a team interested in him, that's the that's an advantage that you have compared to you know four for one forty. If you're a team like the Lakers that have cap space and maybe want to go in a different direction right now and maybe want to wait into the summer. So yeah, bird rights transfers over. Um, you know when a player is traded. You say advantage, and yeah, I mean, he's he's a top 10 two-way player, at least in my mind, but how much risk is there in giving Jimmy Butler 5-190, in your opinion? It's a credit to him that he plays the game so darn hard, but I mean, he missed, what, 23 games last year? He missed time in Chicago. You know, as an executive, would you want to pay Jimmy Butler $40 million when he's 33 and 34 years old? No. I wouldn't, and it's it's similar to what Houston went through this summer with Chris Paul, and Chris was a little bit is a little bit older than Jimmy. My concern is the minutes that he's played the last six six or seven years. He's you know been in the top ten, thirty seven minutes a night. Uh, you know he had a I guess somewhat of a minor knee surgery back in in February. I think what teams get caught up in is that we we pay for the past and not what the future is going to hold. I think with the Wiggins contract. Minnesota was banking on buying in, buying stock into the future. And I think with Jimmy, it's a little bit of both. And I would have a lot of concerns paying him, you know, 40 plus million dollars when he is, you know, 33 years old. So, um, and I also have concerns about him being your, your, your one a guy. I think if you pair him up with another player or players, um, you know, that's a really good team, but ha- to have him be the face of your organization and basically your money tied up to, into, into him, I think that's kind of sets you up to be on that kind of that treadmill mediocrity. Uh, mediocrity. I'll let you go after a couple more points. On Carl Anthony Towns, he's had this five-year max offer with 30% raises just sitting there, Bobby. It's been <laughs> sitting there since July. How surprised are you that he hasn't signed the contract yet? 
I'm, I'm surprised. I am. Um, I think it will get done before October 15th, which is the deadline. Now the question will be, will it be five years? I, that's, I, from what I understand, that's what Minnesota has offered. Does Towns want to do a four-year deal with a player option for year four? Um, there's no question the starting number will be 27 and change. Um, it, I think it's just going to be about what the length of years are. I think I would just be concerned if um, Minnesota, if we don't get it, if there's not a deal done by the 15th as far as the team coming, not losing him in free agency, but similar to what happened with Utah with Gordon Hayward, where a team came in and put a three-year offer sheet, and then you lose Carl down the road. So I think it's I think it will get done, but I think it's just a matter of kind of what the years are going to be here. Yeah, I mean, imagine even if even if he is asking for three with a team option or whatever it is. I mean, if you're the Wolves, if you can't get him for five years. That sort of talent, I mean, how much of a disaster would that be? Well, it's a huge disaster because what it does is it starts the clock for his free agency. You know, you, you have a safety net now and then for the first year of the um, first year of the extension, which would be next year, and then all of a sudden we talk, we hear the whispers, you know, go, him going into his second year that maybe he's not happy, maybe he's going to be looking for a new home for two years, and now we're, we're back to the Jimmy Butler situation, you know, where, you know, you're trying to move a, you know, a core piece of your uh, organization, and, and that's why, um, you know, five years, if I'm Minnesota, yeah, I've, I've got five for 158, you can negotiate it up to 30% based on, you know, some of these all-NBA criteria, um, but that's what I have on the table, and I think it's, I think it's a little bit of an insult if, if if that's not the deal that Butler Butler takes. That was, and that's why the CBA is in place. That's why some of these rules are in place to you know create a system to entice your own players to re- re- retain you know, return to your teams. And and we're we're getting in a little bit of a day and age here where the the, the CBA rules as the intent were good, but it, this doesn't seem like it's working. Well, like for example, the Wolves even if they wanted to, they couldn't extend Jimmy soon after acquiring him, right? So if we go back about 14, 15 months, they have the big introductory press conference at Mall of America. You know, everybody's holding hands, singing Kumbaya. Everything is everything is great at that moment heading into last season. You know, so the Wolves could have said, hey, we want Jimmy here. We know we want Jimmy here, especially with Tibbs here. We want Jimmy here for the next five, six, seven years. But they couldn't actually extend him until, right, if they wanted to offer him an extension July of, I guess it would have been 2017, the CBA rules prevent that. Am I am I accurate in saying that? I think he hit the anniversary for signing. I'm, I got to look back, but it would. But they would have been in, the money would have been less than what the, he they could offer him now in, a, in an extension. So it would have been something that he would have turned down. You know, the only caveat would have been if the you know that designated player um, extension rule would have been able to carry over to another team, which the league does not allow. Um, you know, that would have been interesting that if Minnesota would have been able to offer that Supermax contract. But the rules are the rules, and, and you're not allowed to, you know, you can only sign with uh, with your original original team there. Where do you stand on that rule? Would you like to see it carry over? I think it's interesting. I mean, it's I, where we are with that rule right now is that, you know, it, it's, it's kind of we're getting mixed results here. I, I think if it carries over, um, I think that entices players to ask to be traded. You know, I think it creates more of a system for players to be asked to be traded. So I'm content where it is right now. But, I mean, you see, we've seen it with Cousins. We've seen it with now with Butler. We saw it Paul George that guys are okay going getting traded to a team and losing, you know, $40, $50 million. I'll leave you with this. From an on-the-court standpoint, you know, and again, this is presuming that eventually the Wolves come around and, and decide to trade Jimmy. 
what would you be looking for in return for Jimmy? And more so, you know, what kind of players are good fits on the court with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins? Well, the one thing I don't want to back, take back is contracts that are not desirable. So I think the, that you get contracts that are controllable, either players that are in, in um, you know, you know, that are in a rookie contract or a player that you think you can sign in the offseason is that Tobias Harris with Taj, you know, going into free agency after this year, the pair with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I think you have to look at what teams have from a draft pick standpoint. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you got to look at where, you know, your depth, your wings, you know, there. So I think that's kind of where you're looking to kind of fill, fill the gaps. You know, the likelihood is that you're not going to get an all-star back. You're probably going to get some complimentary players. Um, and is, is that if that is good enough for you, you know, the, the one thing that you could do, and it's certainly a risk, is, is that, you know, maybe you get off to a good start and you're, you know, you're 40 and 20 at the trade deadline. And then you maybe you move Butler and that gets you, you know, that gets you still into the playoffs as far as what the pieces you get back. But, you know, that's certainly a big risk there. Bobby, always appreciate it. And let's stay in touch. I appreciate it. Thank you. Former Nets assistant general manager now does excellent work for ESPN. Bobby Marks. MyBookie, MyBookie.com helps bring you the Scoop Podcast. This is episode 174, and MyBookie is the place to win some money this weekend. Think about all the great football games. Heck, every weekend is a good weekend when there's football, but specifically this weekend, week three in the NFL, week four of the college football season for many teams. They will be playing their conference opener, so it should be a great weekend of football. And remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why I always tell people you need to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. Just check them out. Go to Google, my bookie, throw it in there. You'll see all the great reviews. And their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. Trust me, my bookie has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now, and MyBookie will also match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code SCOOP to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today, MyBookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.com. Don't forget to use the promo code SCOOP. So many cool deals are presented to you with the promo code, and they will match you dollar for dollar, all that good stuff, everything I just laid out, I'm telling you. If you're thinking about laying down some bets you know, you think about all the money that can be made betting on sports, you should use MyBookie. It is MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. We go from Bobby Marks to NBA analyst David Thorpe, formerly of ESPN, skills trainer, has worked with Kevin Martin, Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, just to name a few players over the years. Renowned public speaker. He is as good as it gets. He's been on the podcast before. We love having him on. Let's catch up with David. David, always love having you on the podcast. All right. From an on-the-court point of view, it's actually pretty sad that it has gotten to this point. Not to suggest that the Wolves were winning a championship with the core of Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins. But when Jimmy was healthy last year, 
They were on a 51-52 win-type pace. He ends up missing 23 games, and I get it. I mean, all sorts of defensive hiccups, but they were top five offensive efficiency. Just from an on-the-court point of view, it is pretty sad that Jimmy said, okay, I don't like playing with Carl Anthony Towns. I can't coexist with Andrew Wiggins. Get me the heck out of here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even – I wouldn't just limit on the court, but, but Darren, think of it this way. So go back to, let's say, March – of Towns' rookie year where it was pretty evident to people like me anyway that this guy could end up being the best big man in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, arguably so. But he, he was in that running when when you think about all the things that Towns brought to the table as a talent. If, if someone had said at that point, three years later, we're going to have Towns, Wiggins, and Jimmy Butler as our as our top three, I mean, there's no one out there that wouldn't say, hey, you're, you're going to be right there with anyone all, all three of those guys had have enormous talent. Uh, Towns, to me, has struggled to develop as fast as we thought he might. Wiggins clearly has gone backwards in some to some degrees, and now the best of the three, the more veteran players that he wants to leave. There's no way to say it, other than he, it's just an unmitigated disaster. It's as tragic, uh, for, for lack of a better word, as tragic as anything we've seen. In the NBA, the Kings, the Clippers mess from 15 years ago, the Wolves now, it's its awful. The Knicks, I mean, they're, they're in the dregs of the league right now. On Towns, though, David, would you still bet on him long-term? And I get him. He needs to figure it out defensively. And who knows if he'll ever figure it out defensively. But would you still bet on Cat for the next five to ten years? So I, I don't know enough about the young man individually. I think I think a better way to frame it, well, for me anyway, is this. And this is this is how I always look at the league. I, I, you you have a certain number of players. It's a small number that can be elite level no matter where they are, no matter who they play for, no matter what system they're in. Anyone can see these guys. It doesn't take you or me to figure it out. Any average NBA fan will know who the absolute top players are, uh, no matter what. Then there's another section of equally as talented players, or, or in some cases even more than just equal. Think of a guy like a Steph Curry or Draymond Green uh, as, as just two, Kawhi Leonard being a third with his Spurs, that need the right situation, the right coach. I mean, Curry was just okay. He was a good player. He wasn't, he wasn't an MVP candidate under Mark Jackson. Draymond Green wasn't an all-NBA candidate or an all-star. Clay Thompson, there's three guys. He was just an a, probably a little slightly below average overall player, just an above average shooter. But so Steve Kerr got there. Kawhi was a 15th pick for a reason. Uh, and so we had that all over the league. We have the Austin Cupos and the Westbrooks and the Durants that no matter where they go, even Harden needed a different environment to be the James Harden that we've seen now. Uh, I thought Towns might be in the first category where, where no matter what, he might be all league. And now it appears that he's probably not. And that's not surprising for big men. They need a system around them a little bit more typically, unless they're, you know, monsters like Shaq. So I think that given a, let's put it this way, take him out of the wolves right now and plug him into Pop's team, plug, plug him in a Golden State, plug him in a Boston, he's a Hall of Fame player. Stuck in the cesspool of Minnesota, I have no idea why anyone would think he's going to be a great player. They've just not been able to do anything with their guys for a long time now. All right, well, what is the ideal system then for for Towns? Who is the ideal coach? Because, I mean, hey, let's be frank, David. The end is is near for Tibbs. I mean, whether it's 
whether it's next April. I mean, he is not going to fulfill all five years of his contract. So at some point, the Wolves are going to be looking for a new coach. Presumably, Cat is going to sign some sort of extension before October 15th. So who is the ideal coach? What is the ideal system for Cat? Well, yeah, it, it, it's, it's actually an easier question to answer because there isn't just one. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know Coach Tibbs at all. I, I don't argue with you at all that he's not going to be around for long, nor nor should he be. I mean, this this team was given he, – he inherited a team with a lot of young talent. I thought I, – I actually, I remember I was at ESPN then, and I wrote that the, the two best teams in the league, if you look at under 25 talent, was Minnesota and Utah. And so there you go. Mm-hmm. Utah – if there's any team that's going to surprise, you know, the top few teams with the world's best players on it, it's going to be that team that has none of those world's best players except for maybe Donovan Mitchell. And if Donovan Mitchell was in Minnesota, I'm not convinced he'd be the Donovan Mitchell we've seen all year. So they, they, to me, it starts with management. I'm not even sure who the GM is now. I haven't paid attention. I know Tip is kind of in charge of everything, but until they get a structure from the top, uh, and then – Pick, pick. Not, I don't think it's just any one system because you have to marry this system based on what the entire roster looks like. But to me, Towns is someone that can that can beat you from everywhere. He can score inside. He can, he's certainly a perimeter shooter. Uh, you've got to you've got to inspire and motivate him. I think sometimes he and Wiggins both. Remember, I was super high on Wiggins. I know I you were. Like I'm stupid. Yeah. Super high on Wiggins. I still believe that 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 the right system would help him be an All Star. I agree. It's just, it's just not happening. So that's why I look at management and, and just, you know, looking at the Luol Deng, and I love Luol. I've trained him for a long time. I, 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 if I saw him right now, we'd, we'd give each other huge hugs. I have great memories of Luol on the court, off the court, everything, and I think he would say the same. But that, that is not the answer. That the idea that, 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 that with the guys available, you bring in that guy make, makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, and I, I just don't think they know what they're doing at the top. Whoever made the call, I, I don't – I never really know for sure, Darren, who makes the final call because even, even management, they're not owners. Owners are allowed to have a say. I don't, I don't know what the owner would say uh, and what, what he did say, but I just know he's not going to move the needle one iota. Uh, I think talent can really run. Wiggins probably is, is the fastest pure speed wing in the NBA. He just never races. He jogs mostly everywhere. Mm-hmm. The right coach that can that can. I mean, I would I would challenge that team to lead the league in pace. I would challenge Towns to fly. I would challenge Wiggins to lead the league in, in race out dunks. Uh, coach that does stuff like that to take advantage of the talent that he has around him, uh, because Towns is one of the better rim runners uh, in the league at that position, and he's built to do that. He's not built to you know play against Marcus Cousins for 45 minutes a game inside. I'd uh, run that run that big dude to death. That's, that's what I think they should be doing with the talent they have. Although, and of course, with Jimmy Butler, I mean, he's a great athlete, too, and can run all day. Uh, I, what they'll get in return for him will probably dictate, at least to some degree anyway, what their, what their new system will be whenever they change coaches. What sort of players would you target in a Jimmy Butler trade? Although right now, David, 
Now, the owner will get involved here. In fact, he's already involved. So I have no doubt in my mind that they'll eventually move Jimmy. But right now, opposing executives are, you know, saying on background, hey, the Wolves don't really right now have an interest in dealing Jimmy. But I'm positive we'll eventually come around on that because Glenn Taylor will push Tibbs in that direction. So if you were Tom Thibodeau, if you were Scott Layden, what sort of players would you target in a Jimmy Butler trade to surround with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins? Well, again, I I think with Wiggins and Towns, they should be flying. So and I almost always say that. There are, there are teams that are built where I wouldn't say that. But but I tend to think that, generally speaking, you're, you're better off playing faster, especially as defenses have evolved the way they have. They're, they're, they're at the weakest in transition. So I think it's a, it's a strength to get them. Uh, as Steve Kerr likes to say, you got to get the first domino to fall, meaning it's five on four because two guys are guarding the ball, like a ball screen or whatever, or in the post sometimes. And so transition literally gives you that advantage. <laughs> Excuse me, if you run fast enough, you, you already have some of the first time. So, so I think they should target guys that can run. Uh, they don't love shooting threes. So if you can find guys that can shoot threes and willing to shoot them a lot and make them, uh, that's always a positive thing. I, I think the more important thing to think about, though, is the type of player in terms of where they are in their careers. What they don't need, if this is going to sound a little bit strange maybe, but they don't need three or four more young guys who – young guys need so much oxygen to develop. They, they need so much – they've got to be allowed to make their mistakes and not be yanked out of the game. And Wiggins and Towns are still – they're still on their upside, hopefully anyway. Uh, they add more guys like them, I feel like it, it's – They'll, they'll lose too much and lose confidence. I think they got to get more guys ready to play, ready to run, uh, and let, let those two guys be the stars they should be. Uh, if, you can, if you can get three or four players total and one of them has a, has a, a chance to be good down the road, um, the other one's the more veteran ready to play now, that'd be great. Uh, but, I, again, I, I just have no confidence that they're going to be able to do anything. They've just done so few smart things. I don't just mean transactionally, because they've had a couple of transactions where that have been fine, if not good, getting Jimmy Butler, whatever. But what happens after they arrive? And I can just tell you, you know, I talked to a lot of NBA players. People used to love, I think players in general love Minneapolis, period. Uh, I think it's one of the more underrated cities to play basketball in. Uh, and, and because you guys have so many things indoors, the cold weather isn't that much of a factor when you think about how these guys travel all over the league in the wintertime. They're used to cold weather anyway. It's a, it's a fantastic city. And, and people love bringing their families there and then moving there. So veterans like being there for their wives and kids and so forth. Uh, that's a positive situation. But there's no good vibes coming right now out of that, out of that place within the, the confines of the team. Like there, People just don't think, hey, this is the place you want to go. It's not Minneapolis they're, they're calling out, nor am I calling out the city. It's the franchise itself. And until they fix that culture, it probably doesn't matter what they do. I mean, the specific example is Jamal Crawford had a player option for this upcoming season at $4.5 million, David. And I know yeah. that his family loved living here. His kids were yeah. in a school, a private school in the West Metro. His kids loved the school. He loved living in the West Metro. He loved being here in Minnesota. He's about the greatest guy on the planet. He wanted to get the heck out of here so fast. He doesn't even yeah. have a job right now. Now, to me, some teams should should 
take advantage of, of Jamal being on the market, and I'm hoping that he lands somewhere at some point soon. But the fact that Jamal Crawford turned down $4.5 million, I don't care how much money you have, $4.5 million, David, because he wanted to get the heck out of here, to me, that speaks volumes. Oh, there's, there's no question. Uh, I talked to, you know, I'm friendly with Corey Brewer, and I talked to Corey. Uh, Corey speaks, Corey should be the mayor of Minneapolis. He loves it. He loves the city. He loves the people. He actually likes the franchise. He's never played for this current version of the franchise, and we're probably we're probably like it. He doesn't have a job right now either, uh, waiting for the right opportunity, and, and obviously to sign and, and sit a bench, which was you know, like he had in LA last year, is not an option. Once he went to OKC, he did great, loved it, uh, and I think they should have brought him back. I think they made a mistake because um, he he started for them and did great. Mm-hmm. He, I think, I think Corey's the type of player that can handle uh, Thibodeau because he's just such a warrior. I agree. He's so hard, so intensely. I was really surprised when they went to Luol Deng over him, just considering where they are and, and the way Corey played last year, Bro KC playing up-tempo, like he made them play much faster. Um, but he definitely, I mean, when I said to him, hey, I, I'm not hearing good things about what's going on at the locker room. He's like, I know, but that's, that's an amazing place to live. You know, he's married. He just got married. I was at his wedding Last month in uh, Los Angeles, and he's got a he's got a son, a little boy, and and would he would love to move to Minneapolis uh, because of the city, the, the the challenges and the culture there. I just don't know. Uh, you, the culture has to be changed. And I, I was reading the other day about the Knicks and how all these different players are talking about ending up in New York. It's just talk. I, I the the what I hear from players about New York is the same thing I hear about people, about the uh, Timberwolves. It's not the city. The cities are amazing. It's the franchise. And, and I personally think that ultimately we're going to get to a point where there won't be a draft. This is, a, this is kind of a different conversation. But the idea would be small market teams will be just fine signing free agents out of the draft instead of a draft time out of college because of the culture they build. And they'll have, a, they'll have a resume to be able to show what they're doing for their players who come in for X but leave at a much higher value because of, how good that franchise done developing people. It's no different than the, the companies like Microsoft and Apple and Google are taking engineers and developing them. And if they're not successful developing their engineers to getting into a, a higher salary, well, they're going to lose them to some other company. It's just a free market that way. And I think that right now, nobody would, nobody would start with sign the six kids that play in the draft every year. Nobody would want to go there. And that's got to change. David, how much do you think the Chicago Bulls are – are laughing behind the scenes right now. Now, who knows? Maybe some of the issues with Jimmy in Chicago were were a bit overstated. But to me, where there's smoke, there's at least a little bit of fire. So there were some issues in Chicago. They move him here. Now, after 59 games, because he missed 23 last year, he wants out of Minnesota. Do you think Bulls management is laughing right now? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't – I mean, if you're the Bulls, people, people – are higher on them than I am. I'm still very doubtful Zach Levine becomes a anything more than a good player off the bench, which is valuable. It's good to have. I've always said it to Jamal Crawford, actually. That's why I thought he was. I thought that's why I thought his ceiling was. Um, the, the, the kid they had last year, um, the European kid, uh, Markin, is, is he's clearly talented, but they, they're in a mess too. So they've got they've got to fix some things. I I, I know I know your point in the question. But the reality is, we, we, you know, there may be fired in a year or two. Um, that, that is one team that shouldn't be making fun of any other team because they've not done a great job with their franchise either. Although, I'm sure they feel like it's a little bit funny just because of 
how things went with Tibbs as well, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, that's where they, I just, uh, you know, I asked the question, but I do believe that behind the scenes, there is some chuckling going on. I'll leave you with this, whether it's, you know, now Jimmy, you know, Kawhi, Kyrie, Paul George, I mean, all these big names forcing their way out or demanding trade and, and eventually these teams having to to make deals. I mean, what does it say about the league? I mean, where do you stand as, as somebody who's so passionate about the league that these players are, are able to dictate where they end up? I think it's the greatest thing for the league. I'm so happy that players, after so long, realize that they are the story. And within some kind of context regarding the rules of the game right now, there is still a draft. And so they don't, uh, with, with some exceptions, uh, Mike Bibby, I think, was one a little bit, that most guys uh, have to go where they get drafted. And I don't like that at all. I wish we got rid of that. But, but once they're able to establish some kind of, of power because of how they play, having more control, I think, is a good thing. And I think, in fact, I think it's a great thing because not only does it empower our players, and as a father of two, I want, I want my kids to be empowered as much as possible. Part of my job as a parent to do that. But it also challenges the teams, that each of these teams is given the opportunity to build what the Celtics have. You, you, you think people are dying to leave there, uh, to build what the Spurs have done. I mean, the Warriors keep, keep waiting for them to fall apart. They've won three or four, and, and the year they lost, they, they had the best record in the league. Um, the, 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 the Utah, amazing. They lose Gordon Hayward, and, they, and look, what, look what happened. And, and Donovan Mitchell explodes. Uh, that isn't coincidence. The best teams are, 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 are like Apple. They're like the big companies. They're developing their talent. They're building an amazing culture. It's what Fortune 500 companies are really focusing on now more than ever is investing in their own people and developing their own people and building that culture. And as long as we do that, the, 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 great, the greatest thing will be if every team of the 30, there and all 30 teams are just models of success, dripping with talent, and and organize, an organized focus. Oklahoma City, Paul George didn't go back there accidentally, okay? Uh, OKC, uh, I mean, OKC isn't, no one would say it's one of the best cities to live in in the country. It's fine. I've been there. It's fine. Uh, it's, but it's not a big market, as you, as you know. And yet, I tell you this, I've had players play there, and they tell me it's incredible. The, the second you get there, you're welcome to their open arms. Sam Presti often picks up the people he signs, even if they're not uh, elite players on a private jet, and their families are treated incredibly uh, decently, where they, they're, they're given tours around the arena to make sure they know where everything is. They have spa days. They bring in incredible people once a month to make sure their athletes are well taken care of. But even if it's just all window dressing, the players feel, okay, these guys care about me as much as they possibly can. I'm still, I'm still able to be traded. They still have to run their business. But while they're there, they treat them like gold. If OKC can do it and keep a guy like Paul George, anybody can. And so if everyone did that, now the players would have a much tougher situation because no matter where they go, they're, they're dealing with an amazing franchise. Think how great the NBA would be then. So that's my hope is that this forces every team to, to not just rely on being able to pay a guy more, but to build a better franchise for each individual player. The player wins and the team wins. And I think the fans win then. I'll leave you one last thing. I was going to let you go right now, but you've brought up Utah a couple times. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think on, on the scale of all the Wolves cluster bleeps in their 30 years of existence. Yeah. I mean, how good, how good of an executive is Dennis Lindsay? And I'm just wondering, I mean, before the Wolves hired David Kahn, 
They almost had a deal done with Dennis, who was in the Spurs front office. I mean, how badly did ownership screw up that situation, not finishing off a deal with Dennis Lindsay to run the Wolves? He eventually then goes to Utah. And, yeah, I mean, you look at what he's done in Utah. I mean, I guess the question is how good of an executive is Dennis Lindsay? How bad did the Wolves screw up not hiring him many years ago? I mean, there's almost nothing the Wolves have done that have been smart. Really, there's just <laughs> so few things. And obviously, Flip passing away is disastrous and sad. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't blame them for that, of course. Uh, there, there was a, a, some positives about Flip that I really liked a lot. Uh, but, yeah, Dennis is really good. I, I just read today, Zach Lowe and ESPN's got a great article about Ricky Rubio, uh, which is a nice Minnesota connection. And it's just a great anecdote at the beginning where Rubio uh, uh, took five shots in the game and, and, and in the game, and Quinn Snyder, the coach there in Utah, said something like he didn't like those shots. And Ricky said, Coach, I was open. And they didn't say another word about it. He put it back in 45 seconds later. So it's his way of saying right away, okay, I'm not mad at you. Come back. They come back the next day. The uh, Snyder says to Ricky, hey, I watched the tape. You were right. You were open all five times. That, that I don't see Thibodeau, Thibodeau doing that, right? I don't see a lot of coaches. <laughs> no. I don't see a lot of coaches recognizing that it's we, not me. That it's not your team. It's our team. And, and so I give Dennis credit. Uh, Chris Snyder was not a good college coach. He just wasn't. Uh, but he – and I don't agree with his philosophy that everyone's got to get ball touches on offense in order to play great defense. Historically, I just don't think that's true, but I'm certainly not going to quibble with what Snyder's done and his teams have done. He's really coached masterfully, and, and, and he, he deserves a lot of credit. I have to give credit to his bosses, too. It's not just one or the other. It's both. It's the culture there. Uh, to me, what, what they have done is, so much a signal to the league of what can be done. Built, you know, what Joe Ingles is one of the most important role players in the league and maybe the best shooter. And anyone could have had him. Anyone could have had him. He, he, he wasn't a guy that was drafted in the lottery or anything. Um, they have built uh, a, a team based on developing, and then they got lucky uh, in drafting Donovan Mitchell, but they created that luck. They didn't just draft him. They built, they gave him the keys and said, go do your thing, Rook. And I will tell you, I underestimated him watching my tape during the season last year, coming in the postseason. He, he just, he's better than what I thought he was watching him on tape. He's a, he's a singular talent. And that's what a franchise should do is make yourself into a solid team. And then you give luck a chance. You get one draft pick that isn't being better than you ever thought, or you make the trade for a guy that does that, or you get the one free agent that puts you over the top. And now you're a final four contender, which Utah is. Minnesota, with better talent, has failed miserably in that one place where you, where you get all your guys better, get the same page. I mean, come on. They, they can't even keep their guys wanting to be up in the city, much less, you know, building into a, a power. It's just, this is a, I love Minnesota. I grew up as a Viking fan. Franz Harkington and Chuck Foreman were my two favorite guys. Uh, I think just don't like the color purple when I was eight, but I loved them. And, uh, and I still have a soft place for, for Minneapolis. And, and the city and the team, and I just feel that they had this, like, again, just, just a year ago, there was so much upside, so much potential, and it's been blown up. And, and now I'm worried about Wiggins going forward with what's going on with him and Towns and the extension issue and how good is he going to be. I mean, if I'm a Minnesota season ticket holder, I'm very upset right now. On Wiggins, though, I mean, whenever Jimmy goes, and I still think it's inevitable, the Wolves will come around, they'll move him. I actually think yeah. Butler going could be a very good thing for Andrew Wiggins. Well, I agree totally, but if you remember, the, the narrative was 
Butler will get on Wiggins and make him play harder, which I never believed that. It just doesn't typically happen that, that way, especially for someone like Butler, who's got to focus on trying to score 20-plus a game and help the team win and guard the other team's best player in the clutch and all of that. Uh, Dask can also do those other things, too, isn't, isn't so fair. Um, Wiggins has to learn to play. Uh, his motor sinks. There's no other way to put it. His motor sinks. I don't know that he's – I mean, he's a really good post player. I'd like to see him post more. I actually think Wiggins should play more four. Uh, and, 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 again, focus on flying uh, with his speed and his ability to post and defend in the post sh- should be at least average, if not better. I think there's some interesting talent there they could play with, but they just haven't – they've not been able to figure it out, and I think it starts with them. I, honestly, I think it starts with them just not wanting to really fight for their coach. I, I remember Lionel Hollins in Memphis, who I thought was a very average coach, uh, he actually probably was better than average in some respects with X and O's, but I tell you what he's really great at. It's his charisma. And Doc Rivers, many years, had the same thing. Amazing charisma to get their guys to really compete above and beyond um, what they often would in the NBA. Sam and Gundy was also very good at that early in his career, uh, of getting his guys all to fight together. And I, I, Tibbs, I think Tibbs had it at one point. Thibodeau had it. it. It just seems to be gone. The players just can't stand him. They don't want to be around him. And until they fix that mess, I, I just don't think Andrew Wiggins is ever going to be anything close to what he should be. David, always love your analysis. Let's do this again. Heck, if the Wolves make a Jimmy Butler trade somehow in the next couple of weeks, I don't think that's going to happen. But I'll I'll text you. Otherwise, maybe once the season starts in mid-October. Sure. You got it. I'm happy to do it. NBA analyst David Thorpe is so good. I had no intention of going to 65 or 75 minutes. That was why I didn't have John Randall on. This episode, we'll catch up with John next week. But lo and behold, here we are, because my Trey Jones interview is about eight and a half minutes. I still have a few Vikings notes, plus I have some leftover Wolves notes. So hopefully you enjoy this meaty, lengthy podcast over this weekend. Other Wolves notes in no particular order that I have written down. Darius Johnson Odom, who recently worked out for the Wolves, has remained in town. He's been training at Mayo Clinic Square, so signs point to him being added to the Wolves training camp roster. He, of course, was teammates at Marquette with Jimmy Butler. I'm told Johnson Odom and Butler are still good friends for whatever that is worth because we wonder, will Jimmy be here on Monday for Media Day? Will Jimmy be here on Tuesday for the first day of practice? I'm told Jimmy was noncommittal in his meeting with Tibbs. So, and what I mean by that is he was noncommittal in terms of, hey, you know, I don't know if I'll be there. I don't know if... I won't be there, so I think Jimmy is using this weekend to decide if he'll be here next week. Now, logically speaking, it's hard to see Jimmy here next week. I mean, how weird would that be? But I'm told Jimmy was noncommittal on whether he'll be here next week in his meeting with Tibbs on Tuesday. But anyway, Darius Johnson Odom in town training with the Wolves. Gorgie Jang had a good run with Senegal, so he's making his way Back stateside, Glenn Taylor, as I mentioned way earlier in the podcast, in New York City this weekend, well, Thursday, Friday, into Saturday, for owners' meetings. So presumably the Jimmy Butler situation will come up with his fellow owners. Andrew Wiggins has not yet been to Mayo Clinic Square for informal workouts. Not the biggest deal. He's training on his own. But guys like Jeff Teague, Tyus Jones, Anthony Tolliver, James Nunnally, C.J. Williams, Josh Okogie, Kata Bates-Jop have been in town for informal workouts. Again, the first day of training camp is on Tuesday. No Tyus Jones extension talks as of yet. Zach Lowe of ESPN reporting on Friday that the Phoenix Suns 
have inquired about. Tyus Phoenix is looking for a point guard. They've reached out on a number of point guards, but still, good note from Zach that the Suns have shown some trade interest in Tyus. I can also tell you that the New Orleans Pelicans, going back about two years, have long admired Tyus Jones. New Orleans still has interest in Tyus. I haven't heard of any recent talks. There's no sense that the Wolves are on the cusp of any sort of Tyus Jones trade, but it's also interesting that they haven't had any interest in engaging his side in contract extension talks because, like Cat, Tyus is eligible for an extension right now. Obviously not a max extension, but an extension right now. Justin Patton will be out four to five months. He had his right foot surgery earlier this week in New York City. Also, still no Minnesota interest in Joe Kim Noah, but could that change after a Jimmy Butler transaction? A lot of moving parts. Remember, James Nunnally has a non-guaranteed contract, so if the Wolves wanted to create some not only roster flexibility, although they're at 14, not 15 contracts, but cap flexibility, because remember, they're not going over the luxury tax this year, and right now they are right up against the luxury tax, but if they wanted to create a little bit of cap flexibility, they could eventually make a move before January, early January, when contracts become fully guaranteed, whenever it is, January 10th or so, give or take a few days, they could make a move on James Nunnally, but no sense right now that they're making any sort of move on Nunnally. They want to see what they have with the sharpshooter from the last few years in the European League. Also, Pat Zipfell is hired by the Wolves as an advanced scout. He was an assistant with the Wolves going back a few years under Rick Adelman. He worked with Rick in Houston. He was a Rockets assistant. He worked under Tom Thibodeau as a scout in Chicago. He was a small or smaller college head coach. So he leaves that job as a head coach in college to rejoin the NBA, hired by the Wolves, Pat Zipfell, as an advanced scout. All right, let's get to Duke point guard Trey Jones. I caught up with Trey at his mom's house on Saturday. He was home for a few days, escaping Hurricane Florence, which turned into Tropical Storm Florence. Still all sorts of devastation in North and South Carolina. Durham, North Carolina, where Duke is, is far enough inland, but the forecast showed initially that Durham was going to get pounded with rain, heavy winds. Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski gave his players the option. If they could, if they wanted to go home, they could. So Trey Jones hopped in an airplane. He came home for a few days. Trey now is back on the Duke campus with classes resuming on Monday. So anyway, here's my conversation with Trey Jones when he was home last weekend, home for a few days, escaping Florence. Trey, just take us through when you made the decision to come home versus balancing, okay, maybe I should stay on campus. Right. Um, it was it was a Tuesday morning. Uh, we had been talking about it all day Monday with all the stuff on the news and um, just word around campus. But it was a Tuesday morning, and the coaches had met and just thought that it would be best if they'd send us home rather than have us stick around and have a chance of getting stuck. So in that case, I mean, do you instantly just hop on the phone with mom? Do you go to any number of websites to look for a flight? I mean, did your teammates do the same thing? We had the chance to um, wait it out for another day and have uh, them be able to pay for it. But um, I was in contact with my mom, and then she was able to uh, get me on the flight out um, as early as possible. And at that point, I mean, it looked like it might be a Category 4. I mean, Raleigh-Durham was supposed to get all this rain, all this wind. I mean, at that point, you're thinking, if I have a chance to get out, get out. Right. At that point, yeah, the radar showed that um, Durham was going to begin hit uh, really hard by the hurricane. Uh, so, yeah, the earliest flight out um, I was trying to get on. But a couple of days later, it had shown that it had shifted down towards South Carolina a little bit, and we were out, at the, um, out of the middle of the storm. But uh, we were supposed to be getting hit st- still pretty hard, so... Um, I heard right now it's just raining, um, maybe a little wind, but it's it's nothing bad. But 
one of those situations where better to be safe than sorry. Okay, for sure, but better to be safe than sorry. Um, I mean, it's always good to have a surprise uh, trip home, too. Just not being able to be home for all summer and things like that, being able to come home, spend time with family and everything before everything gets going. Yeah, expounding that. I mean, you're in the belly of the beast during the summer, summer workouts. I mean, you guys had that trip up to Canada. I mean, you weren't home that much over the summer. So how nice has it been to be home for a few days? It's been amazing. Um, like you said, the trip to Canada um, took my or our what, a week and a half that we were supposed to have home away. So we weren't able to come home um, during that time. But now that um, this happened, we were able to come home and spend time with family and things like that. So what have you done the last few days? I mean, with no class, I mean, do you do some studying and just get in the gym and get some individual work in? Right, I've been working working out a lot uh, the past couple of days with my brother, uh, like, like old times. Um, not too much studying just because cl- classes got canceled I'm, and I'm totally caught up with everything. So it's just mostly been basketball and then hanging out with family and friends. What's the adjustment been like so far getting down to campus? I mean, it's a different beast. I mean, you know, I mean, heck, you've experienced a lot in your life already. But, you know, college workload and then the demands, you know, that Coach K puts on you guys, it's a lot. It is. It's, it's a whole new beast, like you said. But um, it, it's been going really well for sure. Uh, the, the workouts have been really well. I, I love our team. Um, just the whole everybody in the program gets along really well. And we're really close already. And then um, the schoolwork, obviously, it's, it's going to be tough. But um, it's going really well. And I just love everybody everything about Duke. A little bit more on Florence. I mean, have you been watching on CNN, the Weather Channel, being back here and just seeing all the devastation in some of the communities? Yes, I have. It, it, it's sad. It's it's really sad. Um, one of my assistant coaches is down there um, with his wife about, a, I think, an hour from Duke, and they're getting hit really hard. There's floods everywhere. So um, that it's, it's just sad because you, you can't really do anything to stop it. You just got to let it happen and then try to recover from it. Did it surprise you at all that Duke did not evacuate campus per se? I mean, canceled classes, but but didn't technically evacuate campus. Um, to a point, it surprised me, but uh, they said that it, everything is real secure down there, and they have um, a lot of backup and generators and things like that. So everyone's safe down there. But yeah, it, it kind of surri- surprised me. <laughs> you excited to get back there? Are you heading back there? Whether it's what tomorrow or Monday? Probably heading back tomorrow. I'm supposed to be, and then uh, class going to start Monday again and then we're back to our normal routine and then I mean heck are you guys practicing right now for stretches and then all of a sudden it ramps up where you practice every day the season starts here in what just a couple weeks so we're limited to however many hours it is a week with this workouts but then um, I think it's at end of September like one of the last uh, couple of days of September we can start our real practice and then I mean before you know it, you're, you're playing your first game so yeah it's going to ramp up really quick here in the next next few weeks What's it like being one of the big men on campus? I mean, the basketball team, for obvious reasons, is celebrated down there. When you're walking around campus, are, are students high-fiving you and saying hi to you? Right. Students, yeah, students are always um, showing us love on campus. But, I mean, being at Duke, there's so many different elite people with um, wherever they're uh, focusing on. So it's not just like basketball players being elite down there. They're, wherever they're um, focused on, is they're elite in that too. So, I mean, it's cool being around just everybody. What stood out? I know you weren't able to play up in Canada, but you traveled, right? I mean, what stood out being on the bench, being in team huddles, practice, and what have you? Right. Uh, what stood out to me the most is just everybody Everybody just wants to win. Uh, no matter what, what they have to do, uh, what they have to sacrifice, uh, everybody just wants to win. And we're, we're all so close already just from being together over the summer, and now I'm a little bit in the fall. We're, we're so close, and we all just want to win. So we're going to do everything we can just to make that happen.
on the health front, I mean, no reason to play. I mean, the idea is to have you healthy come October, November, right? So there was no reason to rush anything in the summer. Right, right. There's no rush um, over the summer. I w- think I could have played um, in Canada, but like you said, there's, there's no rush and just got to make sure I'm 100% by the time the season starts. How much leading into when you went down to Durham, did you pick the brain of Gary Trent Jr., somebody you know about his experience down there? Right. I had talked to him um, a little bit going in. Um, I see him around sometimes uh, as well. Um, so I've, I've talked to him a little bit about the season last year. Um, I know some of the guys from the team last year, but then obviously um, Tyus went there as well. So there's there's a lot of different voices I get to um, hear and di- di- different brains I get to pick at just to see what it's like down there. But I mean, it's, it's been going great so far. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gary, just a little bit more immediate. But, but yeah, I mean, you picked the brain of, of Tyus, right? <laughs> right, I did. Um, and I, I still do this day. We, we compare stories. Uh, we go back and forth about um, our experiences. Um, just just the few I've had so far compared to what he, he had. But, um, yeah, some, some compare similar, some are, some are different. So it's just been cool. Is the countdown on until that first game against Kentucky? Right, it is, for sure. Um, you know, the start of the season, two of the biggest named schools in, in the college uh, basketball world, so it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Who does Renee Pulley pull for? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a good question. You might have to go to him about that one. <laughs> I mean, Reed Travis at Kentucky, I mean, you've played against Reed, but, yeah, I mean, Reed is five years older than you. It's interesting. Right, it is, um, but that, that's how basketball is. No matter um, how old everybody is, you can you can have the same talent um, level. So, I mean, he's, he's a great player, and that's a great program over there, so it's going to be fun playing against them. How much has your game evolved in the last year, you know, going back to maybe heading into your senior year at Apple Valley compared to now heading into your first year at Duke? I think it's um, continued to evolve um, from where I have uh, been before in previous years and over the years as well. Um, just trying to get better every single day and um, keep moving forward to the next task. There's some really good players along with you. I mean, how good is the Barricade? Right. He, he's extremely talented. Um, he, he does uh, almost everything that, that a basketball, basketball player can do. Um, and then he the way he can just find a way to win. Um, I mean, in his high school, his senior year, I don't think he lost a game. And then even in, like, the All-Star games and things like that, he beat us in the hoop summit. So I mean, his will to win and just how he's able to find a way to win with so many different things is crazy. And then Williamson, I mean, what a monster he is. <laughs> right. right. Going in the going into Duke, I knew he was a beast, but I did not know it, like, I didn't know it was the way he it really is. Like just seeing him in person, being able to practice against him with him. Um, I mean, the, some of the things he does is just out of this world. But then, at the same time, all you really see is his dunking and things like that. But the player he is, he actually can play and he has he has game. A lot of people don't see that, and they're going to be able to see that this year. What's it like conversing with maybe the greatest coach of all time, Coach K? Right. I mean, just every day you know that you're going to learn something new from him. Um, you know, he's been around the best players to ever play. He's been around some of the best coaches uh, to ever coach this game. So he knows so much about the game. And you know every day when you step in the gym or when you go to watch film or different things, you're going to learn something new. Did you pick your brain about coming up here last weekend, or he's been up here enough that that he doesn't need to pick your brain when he connected with the young man at Rochester? Right. Um, He didn't really pick my brain about that. We've we've talked about it before, but uh, he told me that everything's been going really well with the recruiting process. And 
um, yeah, pretty much that. Yes, Coach K. So I did that interview with Trey last Saturday. Coach K was here the previous Sunday. It would have been the opening game of the Viking season, September 9th. That's when Coach K was here in Rochester to meet with Rochester John Marshall star Matthew Hurt. I was remiss in not asking Trey about his desire to be at U.S. Bank Stadium coming home in April for the Final Four, but selfishly, I did that interview with Trey at 2.25 last Saturday. My alma mater, the Gopher football team, was kicking off at 2.30, so I was trying to keep that interview as brief as possible, although I love talking to Trey and connecting with his mom, his family. It's a wonderful family, the Jones family. We wish Trey all the best at Duke this his freshman year, and whether it's Barrett, Williamson, I mean, Duke's freshman class is off the charts. If you pay attention to the NBA draft, Duke will have multiple lottery picks next June. All right, let's segue to some Vikings notes. Skull Marketing has long sponsored the Scoop Podcast. We are forever grateful to Skull Marketing. They're a business-to-business marketing agency. They specialize in working with local small businesses. They, too, are a locally owned company started by two former Google employees to help the little guys compete. They work with businesses in web development, pay-per-click advertising, social media management, and so many more areas. Let's make Google work for you. So if you're a business owner, in particular a small business owner, and comparable businesses show up higher in a Google search than yours, talk to these guys. You can get a free 30-minute consultation. It's skullmarketing.com for more information or call for that 30-minute free consultation, 612-787-SKULL. So if you're trying to solve the dilemma known as Google, why can't your business show up in a Google search higher than others, talk to these guys. Take the free 30-minute consultation. Let them tell you about who they are, then you can make a determination. Hey, we're in. We want to work with you. Or, hey, no, thanks, but no thanks. But give them that chance. Again, skullmarketing.com or the phone number for a free 30-minute consultation, 612-787-SKULL. Skull Marketing, let's make Google work for you. On the Vikings front, they beat out the Bills, the Browns, and the Seahawks. To sign Tom Johnson, it was Andre Patterson, defensive line coach, who made a recruiting pitch to Tom Johnson on the phone and convinced Tom to come back on Dan Bailey. He turned down offers, multiple offers. I reported that first on Twitter. One of the offers was from the Browns. He could have made more money with the Browns than he was scheduled to make this year with the Cowboys, but he was waiting for the right opportunity. Kick indoors, kick for a Super Bowl contender. The Vikings' only kicker that they had interest in, or at least reached out on, inquired about, was Dan Bailey. It was a perfect marriage. It was a marriage waiting to happen, and it happened quickly Sunday night into Monday. So Dan Bailey, the new Vikings kicker. What else do I have written down on the Vikings front? Let me look at my notes. They did want Stacy Coley back, who was claimed on waivers by Pat Shermer and the Giants. But, heck, they always realize when you put a guy in waivers, there's always a chance that that guy gets claimed. So while bummed, they knew that possibility existed all right what else pat elfline will be back this weekend everson griffin wasn't seen at practice on friday david morgan marcus sherrill's as well dalvin cook dealing with a hamstring injury so if there ever was a game or a time to rest some guys the vikings are 17 point favorites on sunday against buffalo then the short week you think about playing the rams travel on wednesday to la play the rams on thursday night if you think about home field advantage in the playoffs a team that you'll be neck and neck with in terms of the NFC playoff picture, the importance of Thursday night. So if there ever was a time to get guys right, rest some guys, it would seemingly be 
this Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see how the Vikings not only handle game day deactivations, but in terms of if the Vikings get out to a sizable lead third quarter into the fourth quarter, how often they play their backups at that point. Because I do think they would like to try and get some backups, some action on Sunday against Buffalo Also, the Vikings last weekend had scouts at these college games, Washington, Utah, Mississippi, Alabama. Who else? It was Miami, Toledo, and Wisconsin, BYU. Former Viking Kendall Wright, recent tryouts with the Jaguars and Redskins. I'm surprised he hasn't signed with anybody yet. Also, one other football note, Rashid Hageman, former Gopher, the pride of Minneapolis Washburn, former Atlanta Falcon. He has applied. He has sent in paperwork to join the Alliance of American Football. So it looks like the NFL dream isn't necessarily dead, but it's not alive right now. So Rashid looking at other opportunities, including that league that Brad Childress is a head coach in. Michael Vick will be Childress's offensive coordinator. Some other NFL names, people with NFL experience are a part of that league that starts up soon after the NFL season. The Alliance of American Football, including a number of former Gophers. All right, lots to digest in this episode. Heck, lots I didn't get to that I'll save for next week. Always appreciate you listening, especially if you made it all the way here to the 75-minute mark. Bobby Marks is great. David Thorpe is great. Trey Jones is great. So happy to catch up with those three individuals. Plus, I had enough notes to provide as well, specifically on the Wolf situation, the Jimmy Butler saga that isn't slowing down anytime soon because, again, the Wolves have no intention, at least right now, at least that's what they're telling teams, of actually moving Jimmy. But I'm telling you, the owner is involved. He'll be even more involved moving forward. I would be surprised if eventually the Wolves don't trade Jimmy. Maybe it's in December, January, early February, but if I had to bet, absolutely the Wolves eventually trade Jimmy Baller. All right, that does it for Scoop Podcast episode 174. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.